Well, that's exactly the kind of armor that I feel like I need in life. How about you? Yeah. Not at all. Those are toys. Um, we're here today to talk about real armor for the real battle we face. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, is there, uh, just before we go on to the message, I just want to pray for, uh, for healing for someone. In pre-service prayer, I was just feeling kind of a pain on the right side, just here. I don't know if it's like a hernia or, does anyone have pain though right here that would need prayer? Anyone here online? No one? Yes? Okay. Can we pray for you? Okay, Doug. If you're around, Doug, would you just lay hands on him and we're just going to pray for him? Yeah. And those in the room, what we, we believe in, in prayer for healing, we b- believe that the prayer of faith offered uh, for healing will heal the sick by God's power, by God's anointing. And so, Father, we just come before you. We just ask that healing would flow through Doug's body right now in Jesus' name. We thank you that, Jesus, you died on the cross for our sin and sickness, Lord. We ask that all pain would be gone in Jesus' name, and Doug would begin to feel comfort right now in your name. Amen, 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 amen. Well, church, why don't we stand, and we're all going to pray together this morning. This has been a wonderful week of prayer, and if you haven't come out this week, guess what? You have one more opportunity. Amen? Amen. Tonight, we're going to celebrate what the Lord has done this week in prayer and just have extended worship and and a time of prayer as well, but come out tonight at 6.30. Um, This is uh, your last chance. Amen. Um, But let's just pray. Let's pray for the person to our left and right. Father, I just pray for those surrounding me right now standing next to me, Lord, that you would give them peace, that you'd open their ears to hear what you want to speak to them this morning, Lord. I pray for the person to my left and to my right, Lord, that they would be at ease, be able to hear your word, Lord, and receive all that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now let's pray for the churches and our surrounding community. If you know a particular church, just pray for that church. If you know the leader, just pray for the pastor or leader there um, at this time. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Yes, Lord God. We just pray for Hillside Church, Lord God. Pray for them, Lord, that you be with them, strengthen them, Speak to them, Lord, this morning. Your Holy Spirit would come upon that church in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And now if you pray for me that I would deliver the word the Lord has this morning, not simply what I've prepared in my mind, but what the Spirit would want to say this morning. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. How many of you were ready for the cold this week? Were you ready for that cold that is still here? I mean, this is like Edmonton. It's amazing. It it is so cold if you sneeze 
there would be icicles before it hit the ground. Um, but, you know, living on the farm, we really feel the weather. And so uh, this week, we knew that we would have a, a difficult time on the farm. And these are some of the difficulties we go through. Um, our outdoor water lines freeze in this kind of weather, so we have to empty those out. Um, the water that horses and donkeys and goats are drinking from also freezes completely, so we have to break that ice every day and multiple times during the day. Um, the, the manure from the horses, okay, it comes out warm, right, from the body, but when it hits the ground, it freezes to the ground, so we literally have to chisel out the manure uh, on the farm. Uh, so if you're looking for that experience, contact my wife, Sonia, and we'll put you to work. Um, but, you know, we were, we were ready because we knew what to expect. Um, this week on Friday, um, Keaton and I did something very stupid. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this yet, but um, we decided... I, I've been getting into this thing called cold plunges. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, any cold plungers out here? Yes, my people, my people. I know, we're worse, we're worse than gluten-free and vegan people. It's like, it's all we talk about. It's all we talk about is the cold plunges and how amazing we feel. But on Friday, Keaton and I decided to go to White Pine Beach. And um, it was minus 12 degrees. And we went into the water and we were baptized. <laughs> baptized. I wouldn't say in fire because... Actually, I will have to say, I, when I f went into the water and I was, we went in for about two and a half minutes and I went silent, like everything within me went silent. And then Keaton was right next to me and he was screaming like a little girl. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so awesome to do that together. The walk back was so painful because you have to go up the stairs and, um, but we did it. We, we conquered that on the coldest day of the year. Um, that was one where I thought I was ready, but I wasn't quite ready. Well, this morning I want to talk about what it means to be battle ready. Putting on the full armor of God. See, we were ready for the cold this week on the farm because we had the tools, the wisdom the weapons necessary to combat the elements. We were actually ready for that cold plunge even though we didn't know we were ready for it because God designed our bodies to be able to handle that kind of cold oppression. You were actually designed as Christians to handle every battle you face. God has given us spiritual armor for spiritual warfare. He has equipped us for every battle we will face. Psychology tells us that we are created with two physiological responses to danger, and that is fight or flight. We will stand in it and want to fight or we will simply run from it. God has actually designed us with one, and that is to fight. 
He's equipped us to fight. He's trained us to fight. He's given us all the armor that we need to fight every battle we face. The enemy was actually created with fight and flight. In fact, James tells us, submit yourselves therefore to the Lord, resist the devil and he will flee. He's created to run. He's created to flee. You were created to stand firm, armored up, and fight. Amen? Amen. Amen. We have all been given the weapons necessary to fight the battle we're in. Hearing Stephanie's testimony, I believe that God gave Stephanie a special grace during that time to handle that battle. It took her to the end of herself. She reached out to friends for help and support and strengthening. But I believe Stephanie was, was given a special kind of grace for that battle. I believe that God gives us a special kind of grace to fight the battles that we face. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it just did. I want to turn with you to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. My first point is that we would strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Does it say to go run and hide? Let me read it again. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand, you were created to stand, against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. To take a stand against the enemy requires a strength and a power that is beyond your ability. God gives us this strength in him. In fact, this isn't in your notes, but David himself in 1 Samuel verse 30, uh, 30 verse 6, it says that David, when greatly distressed, because the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters, it says this about David, David strengthened himself in the Lord. Sometimes we forget that we were created to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Not to just try to be strong, but to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Mighty power here means a demonstrative, eruptive, and tangible power. It means 
an outward manifestation of power. God wants our prayer life to be a demonstration of his manifest power. He has created prayer to be a conduit by which he moves upon this earth. When Jesus prays, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the conduit through which his will, his power, his purposes, his design flows is through prayer. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have. Because prayer strengthens us in the Lord. When we pray, we invite God to be strong for us. This week in in week of prayer, Greg and Esther Nelson were leading us through intercession prayer, intercessory prayer. And the perfect picture is that Greg stood in front of Esther, and Greg is much bigger than Esther. But Greg was standing in front, and they were pointing out that God stands in front of us in battle. And when we pray, we're saying, God, take the lead. God, I'm releasing this battle to you. God, fight my battles for me. Prayer is not simply requests to God. It is a battle. It is warfare. And you are ready for that warfare. You are ready for every battle you face. But the enemy wants us to fight in the flesh. He wants us to fight in our mind. He wants us to fight in our will. He wants us to fight in our emotions. Our prayers were not meant to be the thoughts of the mind. They're meant to be a prayer in the spirit, which I'll get to in a moment. Our struggle is against spiritual forces of evil. Remember last week, if you were here, I talked about my imaginary uncle that told me I was stupid. Last week, I talked about how unforgiveness can set in at an early age, and we can take that unforgiveness throughout our life. And, and the point I was making was I, I could think that my battle is against my uncle who called me stupid, but actually the battle that I was facing wasn't against my uncle that called me stupid. It was against unforgiveness because unforgiveness is a spiritual battle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, against uncles that call us stupid. Our battle is against what? Principalities and powers, forces of this dark world. Our battle is against the enemy. The enemy gets us into unforgiveness because unforgiveness is justified. Unforgiveness is justified in the mind. In other words, my uncle deserves to not be forgiven. That is a thought of the mind. And the enemy wants to keep me in my mind so that I do not pray in the spirit so that I do not give it to the Lord. But God has given me complete authority and complete power through the Holy Spirit to defeat that battle against unforgiveness 
Through what? Forgiveness. Another example is sickness. Is sickness physical or spiritual? It's both. It's physical and spiritual. Did you know that God is okay with you taking medicine and praying for healing? Some of us think that these are opposed. Well, if I take medicine, it doesn't show that I have faith for healing. That's nonsense. God created medicine. So take medicine, but pray. Most of us take medicine and don't pray. Right? I do it too. Don't worry, you can admit it. Pray as long as you're taking medicine. Do you stop taking medicine when you don't get results? Don't stop praying. If we put as much faith into prayer as we did into medicine, a lot of us would be healed. I'm not saying don't take medicine. I have to say that again. Online, take medicine, but don't stop praying. God is the source of all healing. God can do it through any means he wants. He can use medicine, he can take away the symptoms, or he can heal through prayer. They're both God. All healing is supernatural. And guess what? Everybody's healed. It's just whether you believe it's on this side of heaven or the other side of heaven. But everybody's healed. God heals everybody. I'm not sure where you guys are at this morning, but that's all right. We'll get there. I love you so much. And when you title a message, Battle Ready, you know you're in for a battle, so it's all right. See, prayer is not just something we do. It's the only thing we should do when we have something to do. Prayer is not just a part of my life. It's all of my life. So before my feet hit the ground in the morning, thank you, Lord, for this day. I pray for this day, Lord. I release your presence and your power and your purpose into this day, Lord. God will finish what he started. Second point. Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. In other words, God has given us full armor, so when the day of evil comes, we can stand firm. Don't fear the evil that is in this world. Defeat the evil that is in this world. You were not given armor, spiritual armor, to see the evil in this world and to crawl into a hole and complain about the evil in this world. We're not called to crawl into a closet with armor on. You know how awkward that is? It is so awkward to crawl into a small place with, with, a, with a sword and a shield and all of this armor. Why would God give us armor if he wanted us to crawl in the hole and complain about how evil the world was? 
We were not created to put on armor, crawl into a hole, and wait for Jesus to come and get us. God says, I've given you spiritual armor for the spiritual battle against evil in the world. So get armored up, pray, and go defeat it. I refuse to let the evil in this world determine my level of joy and peace and love. I refuse. I refuse to allow bad news to become my internal frame of reference. God wants to release strategies over your life to defeat the evil forces. Divine strategy. You don't like your work? Change it. You don't like that relationship? Change it. Reconcile. You don't like how unforgiveness has seeped into your family or your friendship? Change it. Forgive. Change it. God has called us to put on armor, to stand. Not to lay down, not to crawl, not to hide, not to waste away. If you're a prophet of doom, like end times doom, stop. It's counterintuitive to what God has designed us to do. Does evil exist? Yes. Let's not be Captain Obvious. Go into the world and change it. Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Has Jesus come back yet? That was a question. No. Is the work complete yet? Did he who begin a good work Will he be faithful to complete it? Yes. yes. So if he is faithful to complete it, I partner with completion. I partner with the ongoing working of the Lord. And if my, if my situation isn't good, I'm not done praying yet. If my situation isn't resolved, if I'm not healed, if that relationship isn't reconciled, I know he is faithful to complete it. I stay in it for, for, for what God is going to do in my life. I don't quit. I stand firm with the armor of God on. He is faithful to complete it. Jesus wants us to stand firm and watch him finish the work that he has started. We were given armor to take ground from the enemy. Has he taken from you? 
Has he taken a relationship from you? Has he taken destiny from you? Has he taken dreams from you? Has he taken health from you? Has he taken from you? This year, we are taking it back. We are taking it back. If you come to me and you need prayer for something, we are taking it back. I am not standing back, laying down, crawling in a hole. We are the church that apparently has armor, that apparently has Jesus Christ, that apparently is filled with the Spirit. He did not give us all of this authority by his Spirit and all of this power by his Spirit to simply be taken advantage of by an enemy. He birthed those relationships. He birthed that situation. And this is a year of jubilee. Every 50th year in the Jewish calendar, they don't celebrate this anymore, but in the Old Testament, they would celebrate the year of jubilee. Every 50 years, all of the land was returned to its original owners. Slaves were set free. Debts were forgiven. It was all returned. This year is a year of jubilee. Don't clap now. Clap when it happens. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to the Lord. If I was Keaton, I would have sung that. But I will spare you. This doesn't mean we won't have sickness, difficulty, suffering. It doesn't mean we won't have battles, obviously. The whole reason we were given armor is because those things are guaranteed in our life. But those things should not define how we see the outcome. Those things should not defeat us, but cause us to go to the Lord, be strengthened in him, to put on the armor, to fight against it. Put on the armor, Paul says in verse 14 of chapter six. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Lord showed me that each piece of this armor is not only for spiritual warfare, but is for spiritual warfare through prayer. It's for spiritual warfare through prayer. I wanted to take some time now to remind us all of the power found in each piece of armor. The belt of truth. Some of us gloss over this because we just think it's a belt like I have on now. And if I took this belt off, my pants would probably fall down. But the belt of truth that Paul is talking about, he's, we're, we're imagining he's looking at a Roman soldier right now, and the belt of truth that Paul is referring to would actually connect all of the armor together. The belt of truth would also be the place that the sword would be on. And it was the most important part because it held everything together. What holds everything together in our life is truth. It's the truth of God. It's who he says he is. It's the word of God. It's truth. We need truth in our spiritual warfare because we think the battle is one thing and it's not. You ever pray for that? You pray for one thing and you realize that you just keep praying that this person changes in your life, in this relationship. You just keep praying that your imaginary uncle who called you stupid would change. Who ends up changing? Often. We do. We do. The belt of truth is that I want, God, your truth for this situation. So when I go into prayer and I put on this piece of armor, it signifies, God, what is your truth about the situation? Secondly, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Did you know that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your spirit? Did you know that you put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ as a breastplate to cover you? This is why you can stand against the enemy. You could never stand against the enemy with your own righteousness. You stand against the enemy because when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Shoes that come from the gospel of peace. What Paul is referring to is Jordans, like these. Because everywhere I go, I feel at peace. Oh, yeah. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Actually, the type of shoes that Paul would be referring to have spikes on the bottom of them. Because Roman soldiers had had shoes on, but they actually had spikes. Why did they have spikes? Because they were meant to take ground and they're meant to stand their ground. You were created to stand firm. Doesn't mean a peace where it's like, oh, yay, everything's amazing. No, it means in the midst of chaos, when the storm is coming against you, you're able to stand in peace. 
means when you feel like, you know, crouching back and hiding, the, the Lord has said, no, walk in peace and I will give you the ability to take ground. The shield of faith, I will have the gift of faith from the Lord to move mountains. That there is a faith available for you to stand against the enemy, to extinguish the fiery darts that he is sending your way. The helmet of salvation, my mind is protected. My mind is protected because the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. Paul says that we should take every thought captive. This represents our mind, which is the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is God's word. The sword of the Spirit is not, is not the Bible. It's the word of God. See, the difference between a Bible is it can sit on a shelf. That needs to be cleaned. And we think, because we have a Bible on a shelf, that the enemy's going to be scared of that. He loves Bibles that are on shelves. He loves it's the greatest selling book in history. Who cares? The Quran is the most memorized. That's a problem. Is that a problem? That's a problem. The word of God is meant to be taken, read, memorized, internalized. And when the enemy comes against you, the word of God will defeat him. Our prayer life should have the word of God saturating it. This is the sword of the spirit. The word of God into my spirit. The word of God wielded by the Holy Spirit is the sword of the spirit. Not a book. Please don't misquote me and go to work and say, Joel said the word of God is not the Bible. Everyone understand what I'm saying? Paul ends this way. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all God's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is how I fight my battles in prayer with this armor is I pray in the spirit. For me, praying in the spirit is I pray with my spiritual language, but I don't believe that's all Paul is talking about here. I don't think he's just saying just keep praying in tongues. I think what he's saying is, is we need to pray beyond the mind. We need to pray from the spirit. And what does that mean? 
I believe that the spiritual battles we face, that the enemy comes at us, is in our soul. It's in our mind. He attacks our thoughts. He's whispering lies constantly. It's in our will. It's how we act. It's the decisions we make. It's what we do each day with the 24 hours that we have. It's in our emotions. Again, how we react. But praying in the Spirit is inviting the Spirit to have victory over my flesh. I had a picture in prayer this week as I was praying, and and the picture I had was that the spiritual armor we have, it dresses our spirit man or spirit woman. We were created as body, soul, and spirit. We are tri-dimensional. And this armor that Paul talks about, it dresses our spirit Again, shield of faith, sword of the spirit, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with peace, and a helmet of salvation. And my spirit is dressed like a Roman soldier. And when I pray in the spirit, I'm saying, spirit, Holy Spirit, step forth in my life and fight this battle. And when our spirit fights, when the Holy Spirit fights our battle, our flesh decreases. The enemy is defeated. The battle that we face is against the enemy. It's also against our very soul. All the battles I face are in my mind, my will, and my emotions. Anyone else? The enemy can't touch your spirit. Your spirit is reborn, regenerated at salvation. Your spirit is righteous, holy, armed. The question is, who is is leading you? Is it your soul or your spirit? Praying in the spirit means, Lord, let spirit lead today. This is why fasting is so powerful. Fasting is powerful because you you starve the flesh and you feed the spirit. The practice of fasting is very powerful for that reason, to intentionally deny your flesh, your physical hunger, your, the hunger of your eyes, the hunger of your mind, whatever it is that you feel the need to fast, what you're doing is, is you're, you're starving that appetite. Whatever appetite you feed will lead. If you have an addictive personality, if you just like eating and eating and eating, fast from food. If you like Netflix and you like eating and eating and eating, fast from Netflix. If you like gaming, eating and eating and eating, fast gaming, kids. 
Kids, I see you back there. And what you do by starving that appetite is the spirit is heightened and leads. Satan can't touch my spirit, so he attacks my flesh, which is a part of my soul that I think and decide from. I'll close with this because the sermon has been long enough. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41 to 48, David is going against Goliath. And Goliath sees David and he says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And then he says to David, come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. So Goliath is, is looking through the eyes of earth, physical eyes. He's looking at how small David is. And he's laughing at him. He's laughing at David because he thinks this fight is physical. And physically, there's no way David is ever going to beat Goliath. David says to him, you come at me with a sword and spear and javelin. I come against you, Goliath, in the name of the Lord, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. David's not messing around. How can David say that? David can't even reach his head. This is why David can say that. He says, this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, not just you, Goliath, but your whole army. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer, did David wait? This is one of my favorite. As Goliath moved closer, David ran. David ran fearlessly into battle. Why did David run? Wasn't a big kid. Didn't have a lot of weapons, had no armor on, had a slingshot. Because he knew it didn't matter what weapon he had. He had the Lord behind him. So he ran because he ran in the strength of the Lord. Are you running in the strength of the Lord? If you're running in the strength of the Lord, you can run into any battle. If you do not feel like you are running in the strength of the Lord and you're running in your own strength, I encourage you to pray in the Spirit. Father, I, I come to you. And Father, I pray that this is not just a message, but I pray for those in this room that need that strength, that need that courage, that need that faith, Lord. I pray that you would pour it out, 
by your spirit that we would strengthen ourselves in the Lord and that is why we can say like David said I'm going to see a victory as we respond in worship Lord Strengthen your people, I pray, as the battle is your battle, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's stand together and worship.